Hola y welcome to Femas Faith. I'm Erika Reynoso, a church kid and pastor's kid raised in La Iglesia Pentecostal. I'm hoping to share encouragement and compassion to struggling church kids like myself. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Well, hi there and welcome to episode number two. Today we're going to be talking about emotions. And I will tell you, I'm pretty sure this isn't the last time we're going to talk about emotions because I really love talking about emotions in a constructive way, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So in my first job out of college, I used to go to schools and teach curricula to students that were designed to increase emotional intelligence. And it was so fascinating to me because in the process, I myself was learning these tools for emotional intelligence for the first time while teaching them at the same time. And one of the concepts that I very quickly and easily got on board with was changing the language used around emotions. So we've been taught that there are two kinds of emotions, right? There's good emotions and bad emotions, or positive emotions and negative emotions. Emotions like anger and sadness are often labeled as bad, and emotions like joy and excitement are seen as good. Now, the trouble with labeling emotions as good and bad is that it creates this aversion to bad emotions in a way that when you feel them, you do what you can to either get rid of them, hide them, or avoid them. When in reality, the path that brings us to a higher level of emotional intelligence is identifying them and learning healthy ways to process and manage them. So the switch I learned was going from good and bad emotions to these new labels, which were comfortable and uncomfortable emotions. I mean, I loved this new language to identify emotions because it gave me permission to feel the uncomfortable emotions and also normalize that they are uncomfortable emotions but they are not emotions to be avoided or neglected just because they're uncomfortable and this concept of um, uncomfortable emotions i've i've seen it play out many times and I don't mean to throw you in a puddle of sadness, but I mean, think about funerals. I've been to a few in the last couple years, and yes, the grief is deeply heartbreaking. But you can tell how impossibly hard it is to navigate this uncomfortable emotion. I've heard words like, he's in a better place now, or, no estes triste porque ya, ya no está sufriendo. And so many words are said to try to make the sadness go away or make it easier to get through. But grief isn't meant to be easy. It's not an experience that can be made comfortable or less hard by adding these silver linings. And no words will make this moment easier and no amount of prayer will make the sadness go away. So what would it looked like if we allowed uncomfortable emotions to exist in the spaces they're meant to exist in. I know the expression of emotion looks different when you look at the different trends across different backgrounds and experiences within la cultura latina, 
And I speak from my experience as a salvadoreña and in the context of my family that has shaped our approach to emotions. And one experience that comes to mind was when our extended family experienced a difficult trial when I was a teenager. Um, I remember knowing in my mind that everyone was suffering. But, and, and I remember the prayers where everyone was crying and there was this desesperación por sanidad and, and el clamor. And, and yet I remember how everyone carried the despair and sadness but suffered in private. And I felt the, the depth of my emotions and on my own. And I've seen this where there's a struggle, a trial, and we know we're suffering, but the actual suffering is on our own. And I've witnessed patterns in my culture where emotions are high, and yet they're processed, coped with, and handled in private. And I think about the patterns I've observed at church or at parties, at grocery stores where I've seen Latinos um, and something that sticks out to me is that I've seen how children are supposed to hide their emotions when it's an inconvenience or a threat or a discomfort to others and we're we're allowed to show joy or excitement but the moment it switches to an uncomfortable emotion there's little space for it and think about this in our culture Anger from parent to child is seen as authority. But when a child expresses anger towards his parent, it's seen as disrespect. And without emotional management, our internal impulses drive our communication. And this kind of communication never feels wrong because we've never challenged the cultural norms that justify it all. And as believers, we can't, we can't do that. We need to challenge the cultural norms that have justified so much sinful behavior towards others. And we can't just accept our culture as the foundation of our faith, but our faith should be the foundation of our culture. And in the process, rebuild the parts of our culture that do a disservice to the gospel and to each other. Because we're not managed healthily or without self-awareness of understanding your emotions, so much harm can be done. If as a child you weren't taught healthy ways to manage emotions, your brain physically becomes wired to not manage emotions well and it makes building relationships as, as an adult so, so hard. And that's why if as an adult you begin to do the work of learning healthy coping skills, it's incredibly difficult because you literally need to rewire your brain to learn new ways to connect with yourself and others. And I do believe that God wants us, his people, to do this work because it pours into every aspect of our life. I do believe that God wants to teach us a new way of seeing and managing our emotions because when done well, we were brought closer to his heart. I first encountered this new perspective on emotions when I started going to counseling. I started going to counseling when I was 23. 
And I remember one day I was talking about something that seemed pretty basic, but it brought up a profound sense of disappointment. And my counselor invited me in to explore that disappointment, and I kept saying, that's just not how I think God wanted things to be like. I just want things to be the way he wanted them to be. And my counselor shined a light on a part of my heart I hadn't allowed myself to explore because of how my brain had been wired to deflect emotions. But in this disappointment, my counselor found a divine connection. I remember her saying, Erica, you find yourself disappointed with the things of this world because this world is not your home. Your heart longs for his kingdom and this world will never measure up because you are not of this world. Giving language to my disappointment and listening to the story it was telling allowed me to know exactly how I needed God to show up. I needed him to show up as a comforter and to take my tears in my disappointment. So as I've taken steps to heal and as I've invited God into the emotions that experiences stir up in me, I've learned to ask myself these two questions to explore my emotions. The first one, how does God need to show up? And the second one, how is God's goodness revealed? And using these questions, I've noticed how emotions tell a deeper story only if we sit and listen. And in those stories, we find our need for God's redeeming love. So when I notice my emotions and really ask these questions, I begin to see the depth of my inner experience. For instance, when I see my daughter being, you know, silly and crazy as she is, I've noticed the joy that flares in my chest. And when I've noticed that joy, I've asked God, how is your goodness revealed in this joy? And that's when I have felt him show me how similar that joy is to the delight he feels in his children. And so when I lean into my sadness and ask God, how do I need you to show up? I also feel how he knows my needs and shows up as a friend and comforter, even when I myself don't know it. And now I know this idea of noticing and feeling emotions contradicts my culture, where I need to suck it up and echarle ganas, or where emotional expression is a sign of weakness, or when my emotions are met with reaños, but I think this is where we get it wrong because unchecked emotions are what cause harm. Unchecked emotions are what keep us in these cycles of spiritual immaturity, and unchecked emotions are what holds us back from truly reflecting Jesus in this dark world. Let's look at Jonah, Jonas. I really love the story of Jonas, um, especially I've just I have found a deeper appreciation for it in the last year. And I know if you're like me, you were raised hearing the story of Jonas, the disobedient prophet. And that's all I remember learning about him. Like, you know that song, Jonas no le hizo caso a la palabra de Dios. Like, that's, that's all I knew about him. And he didn't listen, and so he was swallowed by a whale. And I actually don't think I heard the second part of the story where he actually obeys and does as he was told until I was a bit older. 
Actually, when I saw the VeggieTales Jonah movie, like I remember watching the movie and fact-checking it with the Bible <laughs> to see if Jonah actually preached because I had never heard that piece of the story. Um, but there's a part of the Jonah story that moves me because of how God handles Jonah's anger. So, you know, Jonah, he's spit up by the well, and he follows through with God's commandment and goes and preaches. The whole city repents and turns from their sin. Now, this is a historic moment in all of the Bible. Historians estimate that there were 120,000 people in Nineveh. I don't know how to say it in English. I'll just say it in Spanish. Nineveh. And also over 100,000 people came to repentance through the message of Jonah. And I don't know about you, but I haven't heard of many other events where that amount of people are saved. And yet this massive victory for the kingdom of God is overshadowed by Jonah's battle with his own emotion. So you see in Jonah 4, his anger towards God. Uh, verse 1 says in Jonah 4, 1, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. And this is what Jonah says. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So Jonah is throwing a fit. He is angry at God for being compassionate and loving God. Can you imagine? But what does God say? In verse 4, God says, Is it right for you to be angry about this? God doesn't say, your anger is wrong. He says, is it right for you to be angry about this? Is this a good reason to be angry? He tells Jonah, check your anger. And Jonah's this anger didn't disappoint God. It was the deeper story that his anger told. His anger told a story of a heart unwilling to extend mercy and compassion to the people of Nineveh. It was a heart marred and influenced by the way of the world that condemned the people of Nineveh. It was a heart filled with hatred to the point of blaming God for being too merciful. And so, if I were to ask, how does God need to show up in Jonah's anger? It would be that God needed to show Jonah his ways of compassion and love which he does later in the chapter when he uses the plant as an analogy for God's love for Nineveh. So our, our culture has told us often, hide your emotions, suck it up, you're too sensitive. Or you may be praised for how little emotion you display. Well, I want to ask you, what would it look like for us to shift from our culture's approach to emotions to use emotions as evidence of God's working in our heart. And I think what dumbfounds me about our culture's approach to emotions is that we can often have double standards, especially as Christians. Because we're most definitely, most definitely not 
an emotionless culture? Not at all. And especially in the church. Like how many times do you go to church and see someone crying? And I know people be saying it's the presence of God. <laughs> but I, I know the presence of God is there. But I remember many times where I go to church and I'm not crying because the presence of God. I'm crying because I'm sad. <laughs> I'm crying because I'm bringing my burdens. But so there's like so much crying at church. There's so much emotion always. Even men. Shoot, I've seen men sob countless times in the altar so much crying at the altar but that emotional expression doesn't always extend past the altar i think we've learned to bring all of our burdens to the lord like psalm 55:22 says echa sobre jehová tu carga y él te sustentará no dejará para siempre caído al justo but there's this disconnect between casting our burdens to the Lord and the part where Paul says, Ayúdense a llevar los unos las cargas de los otros in Galatians 6.2. Because casting our burdens to the Lord is sometimes easier because it doesn't require that we be courageous or vulnerable or open to, to trust other people. So we're excellent at this vertical deposit of our burdens to God, but not so much to that horizontal support to one another. And this is where I have to pause and ask myself, is, is this just me maybe? You know, do I, do I have this rather hopeless perception of emotions? Because as a PK, I have very rarely had the chance to truly lean in on someone without being afraid of it somehow kicking me in the behind when half the world finds out of my business because I made the mistake of trusting someone. Like, I don't want to project my own trust issues that come from being a PK. But even that just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like, I get that gut feeling of disappointment that we're not doing something right when we withhold leaning on one another because of the cursed reason of lo que dirán. Then I think about all of those brave hearts that do it. They cast their burdens and seek, seek help, but they're often invalidated because nothing will ever be as bad as it was back home or nothing will beat what others have gone through get here. Or you have so much good in your life for you to be feeling X, Y, and Z. And so our own emotions and experiences are invalidated. And how many people around us are feeling invalidated by those they reached out to and trusted only to be ridiculed or misunderstood? And if, if you're anything like me, I hit a point a while back where this whole, you're invalidating my emotions was super upsetting because it, it feels like a slap in the face to be told that. But I have felt a shift in my heart because when I hear you're invalidating my emotions, I don't think that really captures it in its entirety. Like, I, I don't think emotional validation really captures the need we carry. And I think it's really only the top layer. 
because we need more than just getting our emotions validated. What we need is compassion. We don't just need a pat on the back that says, your feelings are valid. Like We need someone who will suffer with us when we're suffering, because that's exactly what compassion is. Like we need the the kind of compassion that Jesus showed when he cried with everyone when Lazaro died. Jesus could have come in and said, y'all need to chill because I'm about to resurrect him. Jesus could have chosen to invalidate everyone's emotions knowing they were about to celebrate when they saw Lazaro run out of the, the tomb. But no, the sadness and grief of the people around him mattered enough for him to cry too. And in his compassionate and loving character, he cried with those who cried. And this is what we're missing. Because we can figure out all our emotions. We can invite God to walk through it all with us. We can cry at the altar. We can sob. We can be super curious about our emotions and invite God in to heal us. But what we need that we may not be getting is to receive compassionate care from someone who loves us in our suffering. We need each other. So where do we go from here? Where do I go from here feeling disappointment that I so desperately want community to lean on and yet I struggle to find it because of the pain I know too well the pain that comes from trusting another broken soul. This is what I do. I do the work. I heal. I invite God to restore my heart. I find the strength to take steps towards healing. And as I heal, I take steps to be the one that others can cast their burdens on and as i heal i become the mother that teaches my daughter how to be transformed by god's deep love and as i heal i become the wife that builds a home with my husband where compassion is our daily bread and as i heal i continue to cast my burdens on the lord trusting that he will provide my need for community and as i heal we can heal together. So that's my take on emotions. I know it felt like a little bit of a <laughs> roller coaster. Started at point A, then made it my way to point B, C, D, E, F, G, made it all the way to point Z, but emotions are so intricately complex. And we need to start giving them the space they need so that we can be transformed so thank y'all for tuning in on today's episode and i hope to hear from you have a good day y'all thank you so much for listening to today's episode be sure to follow me on instagram at fms faith and subscribe to this podcast your following and sharing helps spread this message of hope and compassion gracias y hasta luego